0: Crossroads is a church for people journeying toward thriving faith in Jesus. We covenant to help people move people through our four objectives. By helping you, your neighbors, and friends discover Jesus by being a vibrant worshiping community that is a trusted presence in Greater Baltimore. By making it simple to belong to our church family. By assisting you to identify your unique role to play in God's story and by offering support as you develop a personal faith that functions and serves in today's world. This is our mission. Together, we will help many people, including you and your family, flourish through life's crossroads. well it 's great to have my friend uh, Pastor Mike Graham with us on through life 's Crossroads. Mike and I uh, have known each other for about twenty years. We went to college with each other with each other, and now Mike is pastoring in the East Flint area in the Church of the Nazarene. Welcome, Mike. well, thanks for having me. Glad to be a part of this. It is so great to have you uh, talk with us about love this week, and uh, we 'll get to why we 're talking about love here just in a little bit but um but I, I asked you for a very specific reason. But before we get there, could you tell us just a little bit about what you do and and kind of how it is you spent your life uh, pastoring and what you've been up to?
1: Yeah, well, um, I was going to be a youth pastor for the rest of my life, and uh, uh, spent about fifteen or so years doing that. And God had other plans, and uh, we moved moved up to the the Flint, uh, Michigan area after being in Chicago and in uh southern southern michigan and it was it was something that uh i i was actually the youth pastor at the church i'm at now before i became the senior pastor and um and glad to be doing this even through this difficult time
0: yeah it's funny i i remember you all the way back when you were 20 years old talking about wanting to, to youth pastor till you died Yep. Nope. and uh uh, it doesn't always work out that way but you made it longer than most of our peers who were youth yes. ministry yeah yeah yep. <laughs> and 10 years uh, almost at one location so yeah that's right in southern michigan right yep absolutely and you are michigan born and bred happy to be living in your home state probably will remain in michigan die in the same state you were born in
1: and i do have to say even though it pains me this year go blue
0: go blue yeah um, if if there's anything that I know, we we actually have a fair amount of people in our church from Michigan. Um, uh, being in Maryland, in the part of Maryland we're in, makes it a pretty transient place to live. There's a lot of uh, high-level government jobs, specialty government jobs that draw people to the uh, D.C. Baltimore corridor. So we have a lot of people from Michigan. In fact, um, I have a board member who graduated from Michigan State. Okay. And um, if she's listening to this, I try to tell her how often Mich- how awful Michigan State is as often as I can. So just another great opportunity to do that. But there will be a lot of people who appreciate your Michiganness ness who might be listening to this. Amen. That's <laughs> great. Um, and we do have a few like um, uh, Tigers fans, Lions fans, that whole deal. And they do not like to talk about sports these days.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough this year. Um, last, I shouldn't say just this year, the last few years, it's been uh, been tough, but I'm going to stick with them.
0: Absolutely, and and on while we're going through Advent, um, you still managed to find joy in spite of all these setbacks that the state of Michigan has, right?
1: <sighs> yes, yes, <laughs> and and deep uh,
0: I. Yes,
1: <laughs> um, I, as I told my congregation this this past Sunday, because obviously this was our week of joy. Uh, I stood up there. One of the first things I told them was, "I choose joy today," and. I didn't I didn't share the whole story with them but but the day before i I got some text that that just kind of kind of made my heart a little sad and it was something that um, I was getting ready for church the next day and I still had to to um do something for myself that 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 i that I love to do I love to be artistic even though I'm probably not the the best artist but we've been painting uh the Advent candles in our, in our windows, in our, in our church. And right before I was going to head down to do that, I got these texts and, and I still had to paint the, to light the candle of joy. And it it really made me think about that, that joy is not just about happiness. I can be joyful, even though I'm sad, I I, I can choose joy. And it's because, because God is here. God is with me. And God is directing me. And, and I don't, even though I had to deal with some stuff that I don't have to focus on that for the rest of my life. I can, my focus is on God, it's on Jesus. And so I choose joy. I choose joy despite my circumstances.
0: Absolutely. That's beautiful. And that leads me into uh, talking a little bit about the idea of Advent. Um, so far as we've we've done this podcast this month, each person that I've talked to, Um, had a similar history to me in that they grew up in uh, um, uh, some Nazarene, some not, but uh, grew up in kind of a a, a typical Western um, low church, um, low liturgy, evangelical type church. And um, the month of December was always a time of busyness in the church and really great things. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Mm -hmm. how churches celebrate when they don't celebrate Advent. But a, a lot of times people would talk just so much about like, oh, December was so busy and oh, there's musicals and then the teen one and then the kids one and then the choir production and parties and Sunday school parties. And it just added to the layers of busyness that, that really are, um, seem to be a, a hint of sort of the consumer driven Christmas celebration of our mm-hmm. worlds that we're in. And people would often kind of emerge out of December with just a just kind of an, an exhaustion. And and I wonder, personally, I, I don't have any facts or uh, to back this up, but just, just observing, one of the reasons that I think Advent seems to be taking off again in churches like ours, which aren't, mm-hmm. my church isn't liturgical, I don't think yours is probably particularly nope. liturgical, um, but Advent seems to be uh, gaining steam with people and pastors, I think at least in part because it doesn't ask for another busyness out of mm-hmm. us in the month of December. And it leads to moments like that where, right. like, you had to come face to face with joy. <laughs> yeah, yep. And so, what what has been your journey to come to understand at, whether themes of Advent or how to celebrate Advent or how's it changed the way you pastor or even just the way um, you have a, a devotional life as as a child of God?
1: Well, it's it's something. Uh, one thing I think. With even all this COVID stuff going around, it, it it's helped my wife and my family to to realize that we don't need to be in that busyness anymore. That the things that we need to do are 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 just sometimes simple. And it's taking moments to to realize what what we're blessed with. Taking moments to uh like one of the things that we do with our, our, our kids is um as we're going through these these twenty five days in December, twenty four days to lead up to to Christmas, and 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 helping them know the names of God, we 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 do a, an Advent reading with them every day that tell the story of of the birth of Jesus, and and to me more so than than parties or or the busyness is just coming around with my family, and and you know we can't be around some of our family right now because of COVID, and. And it's it's enabled us to to gather and, and be together as our family to teach these things, the important things, not the busyness, not the the things that don't really matter, but to be there for each other, to with the four aspects of of what the Advent season is all about, with with hope and 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 peace and joy and love and and just remembering that.
0: Let's live that out, yeah. rather yeah. than all this other stuff. Yeah, that's great. And um, one of one of our themes at Crossroads here in our children's ministry, um, we we don't really follow the curriculum super closely, but we're in partnership with the Orange organization, mm-hmm. and they talk about how um, how children are best raised in the church when the church is in partnership with parents, mm-hmm. and it's it's always a um, I mean, these are things I know I'm a pastor. I've gone to class. I've like, I'm like, a ordained. Right? right. It's always a helpful reminder, even in seasons like this of how much of a role I play. Like I'm, I'm, I am in some ways their pastor, but they've mm-hmm. got children and youth pastors that they love as well. Right. But yep. like I've, I've also got to like own my role as dad in their spiritual formation as well. Yeah. And um, seasons like Advent talking like you're doing like, that's such a beautiful thing to learn the, the names of God, and and for our non biblical scholars listening to this, like this is something you can Google, and it might even help you yourself learn some names of God. Right, this is a practical way to talk about the ways in which our English translations may just say Lord or God, but the original Hebrew and Greek. And again, you just Google this, right, and see all of the ways they understood God to be the God who provides the God, mm-hmm. you know, like on and on and on and on. And not just Yahweh or not just three letters God right. um, is a great way to, to see the aspects and characteristics of God and use this season as a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's something that I'm very thankful for,
1: for my wife as, as uh, um, some of the ideas that, that we're doing came from her. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for her cause uh she, she's, she's, uh, she's the better half. Um, uh, but it's, well, I'm it's, not going to uh, disagree with you. So I think <laughs> that's going to be on the record. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it becomes something that, um, as we've begun this process and, and, and dealing with not only pastoring a, a church in, in this weird year of, of 2020, focusing on something that, that, the church does not just East Flint or Crossroads, but the church does that that helps us see that we're a part of something bigger than we are.
0: Yeah, um, I
1: think helps too, and it, it's it's that formation. It's that um, doing something that we do every year that that helps form us. I remember um, my my wife uh, has a, de- a degree from from Central with, in, um, oh, I probably don't remember what it is, but but she works with. Um, uh, recreation therapy there you go yeah. um but but she she worked with with patients that have brain injuries and and dementia and things like that and and the things that that she's found with them is they may not remember their kids names but she starts saying the lord's prayer or she starts saying um some some well some 23 or 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 something like that and and immediately it's like they're they're that they're, their, they're themselves again and and that formation of things that, that we can go back to and remember that we don't, we don't need to, to focus on all the stuff that's happened in this past year, but we can focus on why does that we celebrate Advent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. And I totally agree. I, I think for me, and, and kind of why I lead in this way at the church is, is exactly those sort of reasons that fi- finding rhythms and themes and doing so annually Helps mm-hmm. things settle in a way. I, I, I don't know that I expect anyone is going to be able to name and remember my Christmas sermons mm-hmm. from all of the Christmas Eve ser- services that I host for however long I'm pastor of this church. And But that doesn't really even seem the point to me, right? Like really the point is, is I want themes like this as we both await the birth of Jesus, but also mm-hmm. anticipate the second coming. Right. I want to see in in people that these themes of love, joy, peace, and, uh, and hope are really being formed right. as, as, a, as a gift that God gives his people. Yep. Absolutely. So um, we are recording this. We mentioned that we talked about joy this week. We were recording this a week earlier than uh, we're, we're releasing. And so you and I are actually going to get around to talking about the idea of love. And so um, love is the final week of advent leading into the big christmas celebration when when jesus arrives and um in particular i wanted to talk to you about love uh, because you and denise your wife have a history of um of expressing love in very very tangible and risky ways and so um one of the things we've been trying to do in this month as we're talking through this podcast is is giving Um, tangible ideas of how to live these concepts out so that they're not just concepts that you can kind of philosophize about. But um, I I don't think I've told you this before, Mike, but our our church has had a ministry, a long time ministry, where it's worked with um, uh, adoption agencies and having people adopt. Hmm. And so uh, folks listening to this, um, there may actually be people who have through the ministry of Crossroads become adoptive parents. That's awesome. yeah, it's it's great, and um, I mean, just a, a, a solidly biblical call on yes. the people of God is to to open up your house and to open up your family, and uh, you and Denise have done just that. And so I, I want to talk just a little bit about your journey of um, what in the world would cause um, parents with a young kid at home that is biologically yours. To make the choice to become foster parents, mm-hmm. and uh, it just seems to me to cost so much to make that choice. And I'm not talking about money, money, like whatever money. It just seems to cost so much. So, what kind of what kind of call does God have to put on your life in order for you to make that decision? And what did that look like?
1: Well, it, it started off like like you said. We had uh, uh, Brandon, and he was born uh, 2007, and. And both of us have always wanted to have at least three kids. I don't know why the magic number of three, but that that was something we both kind of settled on And we struggled to to even have brandon. it was It was something that um, we knew we were called to have a family. and but why was this not happening? and And eventually, we had the blessing of Brandon, and that that was great. And then we kept trying after that and it just, it just was not happening. Even Denise even um, ended up having a, a miscarriage. And so it was, it was a rough, rough point uh, with that. And, and we kind of kept it to ourselves. We didn't necessarily let a whole lot of people know um, what was going on with that. And, and then it was something that I, I, I started to to get mad at God because I, you told us we were going to have a family. And yes, we had Brandon. That was awesome. But, but I was just not content with that. And then Denise started praying and, and, and looking um, at different other ways that that maybe we could have a family. And she brought the idea to me of what if we decided to foster, not even at this time with the the idea of adoption, but just, just to foster, just to bring kids that needed to, to be shown love um, just a little bit of of the love that we could give, and I wasn't ready yet, and so it probably took me about a a year to maybe two years from the first point that that Denise first brought it to my attention, and and uh, then we decided to to do it, and so we went through the many different classes. We uh, learned a lot about what could potentially happen with kids in our home that that were not ours. And, and we always went into it with the idea is we wanted to have these kids here so that we could love them, but then they could go back home, so, but they would know what love is. We wanted their, them to be reconciled back with their, their parents, their bio parents. Um, and so it started off after we find, the day that we got our license in the mail was also the day we got our first call. <laughs> and we we weren't quite ready for that cuz it was going to be something like, "Whoa, wait, wait a minute here." And and so we but we were just going to do respite. We knew it was just going to be a short term, the family that that needed they were going on vacation and and we're not they couldn't take the the kids at the time with them and and so we had them there and it gave us a glimpse a little bit. And I remember the first day that they were there and the first thing when one of these children got upset and they went up to the tv and all all it was is it went to a commercial from a cartoon and he got upset that the cartoon wasn't on anymore and went and and pushed our tv over and it was one of those moments that we were like um what do we do because <laughs> they were just brand new and and, and to us and we didn't want to overly exert them, and so we, we thought about, well, the, the tools that we've been given, and so we started practicing through that, and, and and just remembering that each of these children has a story. We don't always understand that story because we haven't lived it, but, but we're going to choose love even if our TV got broken. Um, we're going to choose love even if, as another foster um, child that we we had live with us for a little while would swear at us or spit on us or try to hit us or pinch us. And, and it was like, a lot of people would look at us like, why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself through this? And And it became something that, that, We did it because we want these kids to know love. And so has there been heartache? Yes. Has there been pain? Yes. But I'm going to tell you time and time again, it was worth it all.
0: Yeah. And and one of the things, one of the reasons that I think that that taking care of orphans is such a strong uh, scriptural theme is because... I'm not sure that what you've just described is all that different than our sinful disposition against God, mm-hmm. right? Like we can judge these little kids for pushing over your TV. And certainly that's wrong. I mean, I don't want to make light of it, right? right. So is sin. And yet God keeps showing back up in our life with sin. And so the thing about our our choosing to love the unlovable and doing it in tangible ways, even opening up houses to them is it is a reflection of God's acceptance of us into his family when we tend to (laughs) spit in his face at him and you know all of these sort of things right like we're not we're not um we're we're not innocent parties in this description of caring for for young children who have not been taught better don't know better this right this is a reenacting of the work of the church in reconciling the people of this world with God. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's
1: something, and like I said, we, we didn't go into fostering to sit here and go, okay, well, we're going to, we just want to adopt every child that we, that we, that comes into our care. Like we really went in with the aspect that we want the reconciliation to happen with their parents. Yeah. Um, and, and even we have, um, the two that we've ended up adopting, um, they, uh, we first met him in the hospital, and where and he he had he had been injured, and and so we met him, and I just remember just I don't even know this child, but just the love was just pouring out, and 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 like you said, just this hot, how God views us, it, it that just gave me an a, a, another level of 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 love.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and it was something that we had him for a year, and his his sister was born during that time, and we had her for. I think about her first nine months of, of of her life, and 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 Brandon, our our son, and and Denise, my wife, and myself, we all grew to love these 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 two, and and um, Bio Mom was doing a great job, you know she she was really uh, moving, and we were so excited for her to the point where we were letting her know, look, we we want to be your support um, because these kids are amazing, and. And um, and they ended up going back back home um, to her and and I just remember that was that was a very sad day um, for me because because of the love but but it was something that I knew that they were in the place that they meant to, they were supposed to be at that time and another thing and if I can go back to one of our other foster kids I remember when when he left and um, just the. How your, how your kids teach you. And this was a, a moment where Brandon began to teach me love. Um, and uh, he had this blanket that uh, uh, my sister had helped him and, and our foster um, son um, tie together with the, the idea that, that our lives were always intertwined. And so they, they tied these fleeces together and, and he could always look back on that and remember um that but then she also said to him look this is this is something that whenever you get sad you can just go and 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 grab that blanket and cuddle up with it and just remember all those good memories you had and so Brandon saw me crying when this foster child left our home he went and grabbed that blanket and then he gave it to me to hold on to and cuddle up with then that made me cry even more. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just that idea of seeing and 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 he may not have known what it all meant at that time, but but he he was teaching me about love in, in that regard. and he saw my pain and wanted to comfort it and 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 i look I look at how god takes takes us in his arms in, in the midst of like I shared earlier with a sad story, but yeah, he's going to help, help me find joy. Um, he's going to help me see, uh, love in the midst of, of, of pain. Um, and, and I so appreciate that because without, without that love that, that, that we can share with, with each other, with the, the, and, and and I mean, I'm I'm assuming most of your listeners are going to know that that scripture God is love and, and, and the outpouring that of God's love for us just, to me, sometimes it gets bottled up and, and we, we shouldn't let it bottle up. We should let it overpour, even in the midst of pain or, or struggle or, or whatever else that is not pleasant to go through. Um, we let that just overflow us um, into, into the arms of
0: those who need to receive it. Yeah, that's and, amazing. That's amazing to hear. What a great story. So, um, let's, let's go back, uh, to your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had me and I was following that. And it was a great story, but like you said your children that you eventually adopted went mm-hmm. back to their biological mom. Yes. And Holy cow. I, I, I can't, I mean I can't even imagine what happened there, but why they left, because that was your intention. Mm-hmm. And, how did they end up back in your house
1: well the one thing that we've always tried to do um with any of our foster kids that we've had if and it's up to the 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 bio family um is we wanted to maintain contact, not because we've never gone into this wanting to take someone else's kids mm-hmm. um, but we want to be a support for for every family that that we've ever come in contact with. In regards to that and and you know you you say you, you mentioned earlier about it costing and, and and sometimes it it was it was costly to open yourself up to you know I remember the first time meeting um, a bio parent and it was it was something that it scared me to death but but with that um, sorry jumping back to to, to this story the. Every six to eight weeks um, after they went back home, we would let um, their bio mom know, hey, we love you. We want to let you know that we're here for you still. And if you um, need a break, um, if you need them to come stay with us for a weekend, um, just let us know. They they are always welcome to come. And, and even in the midst of we were still fostering. So some of those weekends were very crazy, very chaotic, very... Um, we're 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 not doing much other than stay at our home and 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 sometimes trying to survive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but it was something that, that it enabled her to be able to to have some of that freedom to to know that um she can take care of herself too. And it was something that um, you know, just just some things that happened to where they they needed to come back into to foster care and and she contacted us and said that, that would you take them back? And now by this time, we had moved um, from where they lived uh, back towards uh, the Flint area. And, and we said, of course. Um, and we were crazy because we had a foster kid already at that time. And so this was going to mean having um, three, um, three foster kids um, in our home, two of them that we had already had. And
0: uh, and three <laughs> nuclear families all trying to assert themselves, right? Yes. Like, yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. And and you, and you have Brandon in the middle of this. Yeah. You know that that Brandon was an only child for a lot for a while, and all of a sudden, boom! There's all these kids that are popping up all around him, and and uh, not our family, you know, and and so just sometimes I always wonder what was going on in his mind uh, throughout this. But the, the one that we had um, while Blake and Chloe were there, uh, they, um, he, he ended up um, going back home. Um, I don't know where he's at at this, at this moment. They, we weren't able to stay in contact with, with them, but, but Blake and Chloe um, were there. And I remember the, the question that they always asked us, didn't matter which kid it was, even if they knew that they weren't gonna be going towards adoption. They every question we always got asked about about every kid was would be would we be willing to adopt if it came to that, and you know this 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 was Blake and Chloe, you know we had them as little babies and yes, and 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 it it was something that that was going to dramatically change our life if it was going to go that way. and and all along we prayed about it we we sought god to, to to know what is it that we're is best for for our family is this what was meant to be we talked to brandon about it cuz we wanted his input it wasn't just a a mom and dad decision this was this was a family decision that we needed to make and even even if brandon didn't fully understand at that time what it all meant and so um uh, about a year after they came back into care with us it, um, it became evident that that adoption was going to be something that they were going to go for and so then it really became real for us um, because can I tell you brandon easiest child to to raise um he he listens uh, he doesn't want to get in trouble um, and he pretty much does whatever we ask him to do now he's becoming a teenager so some of that somewhat is starting to change a little bit because as he's trying to figure himself out but but he is very easy and now you have these two that are coming to their own personalities and struggles that are, are are coming out um to where there is issues beyond just them having the trauma of having to leave their home and come to live with somebody else. And, and whenever a child leaves, there's trauma and there's, there's heartache and there's, there's ugliness that come with that, that, that when they come into your home, they, you, you have, that's part of them. And so you have to learn to deal with it. You have to learn to, to look beyond that. Um, and, 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 I mean, that's, that's what God, I think, does with us. You know, we, we come with a bunch of baggage, a lot of it our own doing. Um, these kids, it's not their own doing, but, but, but it's something that, that God still pours out his love. He still, he still takes us, even with all our ugliness, and says, you know what, let's do this.
0: And what's what's amazing is that exact moment, I think, is a barrier for a lot of people to take a next step with God is that they can't possibly imagine that God would accept our extra baggage. Like, Mm -hmm. I I very rarely run into people who think they have all of life figured out, they've got it, they don't need God, right? Usually, it's more like, my my inner life is such a mess, I would not want to project that, or I don't know how I could project that on a holy and good God. Yeah. One of the beauties of what you're talking about here is a tangible example before the world and the church of how even humans do this for each other, let alone a God who is yearning for reconciliation with his children, right? right? Like even humans do this, open up their life to the garbage of ours in order to bring holy and healness. Another great way that adoption and fostering Mm -hmm. is a great metaphor for what God does with us when we come to him. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I remember um,
1: the, the moment uh, it was, it happened to be our, our very first Sunday at our, where where we're at now. And we went over to the, the parsonage that we were going to live in that the house that we were going to live in. And and we just took all the kids over there and and sat them down. And Brandon knew at this point what was gonna happen. And and we looked at Blake and Chloe and we we asked them, we said, Are are you do you want to be part of the Graham fam? And and I just remember we rarely sh- had any emotion shown from Blake at this point in time. And at this point in time, after we asked that and and uh I, I'm hope hopefully I can get through this here, at uh, this point. But he ran over to a corner of the room and he just bawled. Because it was something, it wasn't a bawling, like it was like a happy, happy cry. Like there's relief. There there's a moment that it, it, someone's scooping me up and is gonna take care of me. And, and, and I think there's so many of us that, that we try to do so much on our own. Do we try to keep our own self together that we don't allow God just to scoop us up and for Him to take care of us? And, and I'll, I'll never forget that moment. Chloe, on the other hand, she was just screaming excitedly, Yes, yes, yes. But just that moment to where there became something to be able to see one emotion out of him was an awesome thing. Some days now I don't want to see emotion out of him because it's not the good part of emotion, but, but that comes with, with him. And, and we deal with that. And, and the frustrations that we, we deal with him. I have to remind myself that this constantly, that this is how God some looks at me and, 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 and to have that patience, to have that 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 moment to 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 just settle myself down and and just wrap them wrap all three of my kids in my arms and just say I love you. And 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 as we walked that next journey into into adoption and before the judge and and uh, and that was an awesome day. Um, you know, uh, June tenth will will be forever our our day that we will celebrate when our family went from three to five, and and not to say even now that there haven't been struggles. You know, they they always say that when they become comfortable with you, that's when you're going to see more of the ugliness, and what you think. Okay, what's going on? But. But I know, despite what what we see and and some of the um, the ugliness, the baggage, I'll still call it, just is 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 knowing that that there's there there is love despite that, mm-hmm. and there there there's there's love that's that's being poured out even when I get frustrated with them, and and it's just as I shared the story about choosing joy, even in the midst of what's going on, the the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, I choose love. And I'm gonna continue to choose love because because of what God has done for me and
0: his love pouring into me. Yeah, that's right. So I have have two questions, both of them are probably (laughs) essay questions as we head out of here. Um, so don't expect they're going to be easy answers. But um, the the first one is, I, I think back to um, uh, to my own experience about being a biological parent. And um, so, so my daughters are Mackenzie and Claire. Mackenzie was born first, Claire was second. And um, I had a really, really easy time. Imagining loving my first child, right? Like, you kind of expect you're gonna have a kid, and like, you're doing all of this preparation, all of this work, reading what to expect when you're expecting, and trying to figure out all the things that you know you're a dunce about. How do you close a diaper? And blah, 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 blah. blah. I was really prepared to love my first child. When we found out that we were gonna have Claire, my second child, I remember uh, my, I had this overwhelming fear all the way through of I had discovered the full extent of my love with having my own child and how in the world am I going to find love to fit into my life more? Right? Like how am I going, am I going to have to love Mackenzie less in order to love Claire? Like, like I, I already felt like I was at a point of popping and bursting with my love capacity for this child and how was I going to duplicate that now that there were two to worry about? I mean, I had incredible fear about this. And it seems like as I talked to parents, that's, that's not a completely uncommon experience. Mm-hmm. But my curiosity is, um, so, so to, to finish the story, what I found was that God just kept expanding my capacity for love. Like I didn't love Mackenzie any left. It just like I became more love than I was before that's, that's essentially the best way I can describe it is, is I didn't love Mackenzie any less. I wasn't trying to squish Claire into some Mm -hmm. finite amount of love. It's just my capacity for love grew. Yeah. What was that experience like for you in that your second and third showed up on the same day legally? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and how, how does, how does God expand your love in that situation where you don't necessarily have to anxiety or prepare for it. It's just like, now it is. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got all of this, I think pressure to not favor Brandon. Cause they're all your kids now mm-hmm. where you've got this biological tie to Brandon and you can't like ruin Brandon by like saying, well, you've kind of arrived and you didn't have the difficult childhood pat on his head, like take care of yourself the next eight years. This is our focus now. Like you can't do that. Right. So, so how does love expand in a father's life when when what ends up happening is adoption? What's what's different there? Well, to be honest with you, that
1: I I did have some of those same questions as as we were going to deal with this, and I'm like, and part of my worry was I didn't want Brandon to feel like he was loved less. Yeah. Um, and I probably worried more about that with the two that we were adopting than than anything else, and. And, and and I think it's 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 great what you had to say is that that my that, that love for them my, my love didn't just all of a sudden stop for Brandon it it honestly I would say even for him became even more because there was these newfound um things of of, of experiencing God's love through uh, fostering through adopting that 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 I had never really experienced before and, and it allowed me to 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 see my own kids my my biological son my adopted two, to 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 see them in different lights now and um and and, and as much as um sometime it, it it's 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 difficult to to express all that love is um i just know that that i guess the best way i could describe it is you know i, I when I was a teenager, the, there was this profound moment for me of, of of realizing how God can love me so much, and, and how He wants to love through me. And, and And this this pastor did this where he was pouring a jug of uh, of water into a cup and then having it overflow. And that's had a profound impact on me since I was a teenager. and And I and I realized that that all that I think what what happened is is that cup, it just became bigger. And, and, and there's more of God's love that just got poured into me so that I can just pour that love right back out. And, and, and I think that's probably the best way I could describe, um, describe that.
0: That's beautiful. beautiful. And, and, uh, yeah, just, just really helpful to remember that like the, the never ending amount of love that God has for us and and his desire to continue to pour his love into us that we pour it out as well mm -hmm. for others. So my last question for you is this, Um, having told your story of uh, fostering and then leading into adoption, uh, I know that there are people who are listening to this who, um, who are just touched by this story, but aren't going to ever feel the call into foster or adoptive care. Mm -hmm. But I'm not convinced that that abdicates us of responsibility for widows and orphans as the Bible is pretty clear about. So as a, um, as a, as a Christian family who has gone through the process of fostering and adoption, can you share with people who are listening who won't, who won't do this, like it's just not a part of the call in their life, how they could support families like yours who have taken this call seriously, and, um, and, and what are ways in which uh, communities can gather around families who are accepting this call and helping them in that work, especially since there are, there are legal issues there, there's all sorts of things happening, but what are ways that uh, Christian families could support families like yours who are taking this journey on? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the first I would say, first and foremost, is um,
1: when someone's fostering, to be honest, there, there were moments that we felt um, lost, and we a child's acting in a way that we're not used to, and have patience with, with those families, uh, reach out to them, uh, have, have moments, give them respite. That was the biggest thing for us is that there were moments where a child was acting out and we just didn't know what to do and it was just becoming draining on us, yet we were still gonna choose to love and, and, and we had a family come alongside of us and say, you know, can we help you? Can we, can we take a few hours so that you can go and, and relax and rest for, for a little bit? And that just just a few hours even was just so life, life-giving to us. Um, and so taking those moments of, of, of physical things, of, of showing love to them by, by coming to them and saying, hey, how can I help you? Because everyone's going to be a little different. Um, but... Um, I'm trying to think. Some of the other the other things that that that, that were done for us um, was just <laughs> just even a little thing of cookies for us, <laughs> um, let, letting us know that that people loved loved us and cared for us and were praying for us. That was an amazing thing, and 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 it was something that we um, not just because of us. There was a few other families around the same time as us uh, down in in Adrian that where we were serving. That were beginning the process of of fostering too, and so we decided to reach out to um, our local um, foster closets to our foster agencies, saying, "What can we do to help these families?" And um, and it was sometimes as simple as you know, look, they there's just some physical needs for these kids that that they come into care, and and we need we need some coats or we need some socks and underwear. And, and that to, to having a, a, a day to where um, they could celebrate these kids um, and these mm-hmm. families. Because not, not that I'm saying that you need to praise me or, 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 or that, cause that's not what I'm looking for. But, but just acknowledging um, the, the depth of what is actually happening, that the kids that, that. Um, through no fault of their own, um, having this baggage come come to them and and just letting letting them know, letting these families know that we're on your side. Um, you know i we we heard a lot um throughout this time that oh, we can never do this. we can never do this and and for some people that that may be. So there's a lot more people that that i know that have the strength um to do it to 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 reach out and just you, you show your love to these families um you you let that that cup overflow and and i know i'm not necessarily given a whole lot of, of of practical um things right now but but it's something that when you reach out to a family that is doing this and just saying, you know, we want to come alongside you. How can we help you? That goes a long way. Um, and so I just encourage people just to, to reach out, um, to, to begin to show love, even, even if it just begins as praying and and then it moves to a, a deeper relationship with, with people. Um, because you know what, even though it may be messy, even though it's, it can be ugly. God's in the middle of it all. Absolutely. And and that's what gives me
0: uh, hope and peace and joy and love. That's great. And I, I do think um, it, it, this is just really helpful that you mentioned that, especially in light of the people at our church, there's a lot of adopted families here. I think you have given some practical suggestions. Yeah. Uh, feel free to reach out. You just send a Facebook message or a phone call or something to, to a family, you know, that's in the process of fostering or, or has adopted or whatever, mm-hmm. just that support, especially in a year like 2020 where there's so much yeah. loneliness and an artificial distance, reach out and check in and see if there's something you can do for a family you love. that have adopted children. Well, Mike, um, it's been great talking to you. I appreciate your time so much. Uh, I want to end on this little note see if you remember this, uh, for, for the people listening who are of a certain age, like you and I, um, I think of this last theme of love in Advent. And I go back to, uh, a christian song from when we were younger that a band named dc talk did called love is a verb yes and and whenever that came out 94 95 or Mm -hmm. that idea was so revolutionary to me that love wasn't a feeling was something that we do Mm -hmm. right and i appreciate so much um talking to someone and seeing someone who has done love who has practiced love and my hope is for people who are listening to this that um that they recall, maybe not adopting, maybe not fostering, but the love of God has come into our life in such a radical way as Christian people, that Mm -hmm. love is a verb. There's something we can do for people and not just feel and feelings Mm -hmm. are important, all that stuff. But, but I hope that as we await, um, await the birth of a God who did something about our situation, that we can receive that love and do something for someone else as well.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And the the one thing that that lately that I, I keep getting reminded of, and it was something from um, St. Augustine, I believe it's attributed to him, but it, it it's, it's this idea that you love and then you say it with your life.
0: Love it and then say it with your life. That is beautiful. And what a great way to end. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you for having me. Hello, and welcome to Through Life's Crossroads. I'm Pastor Tim. I'm here with pastor jake and we are talking today about the fourth week of advent which is the week of love and this week we have all
2: you need is love all you need okay
0: just kidding yeah love was not a thing (laughs) until the beatles wrote about it
2: but apparently it's all you need
0: (laughs) all you need this week we're uh gonna listen to a testimonial of a pastor from flint michigan who uh i pastor tim have known since my college days almost uh Yes, geez, I've known him 20 years now, which is crazy. It's crazy since I'm only like 26 years old that I've known people for 20 years.
2: Yeah, 26 years young.
0: me yeah. <laughs> but uh, he and I went to college together, and um, and in their story of a family, which he'll break down for you. I don't want to give too much away. He and his wife made an intentional decision to uh, to show love to a group of people that that don't tend to feel love. Yeah. And so um, in their journey as a family, they decided to become foster parents and that is a difficult life. Jake, I know you have uh, in your past done some foster work as well.
2: Yeah. Um, about three years ago, my wife and I, we had just moved to Oregon and we had a worship pastor on staff that we were great friends with and they had were fostering. And just the idea came into our heads that, you know, we seem to be semi stable people and we have resources. And we weren't about to start a family yet, and we just felt the spirit say, "Hey, you know, if you have, you should help those that are without." And so we started that journey. And yeah, my wife and I, we uh, fostered a couple children. and um, it was it was it was different. It was good in so many ways, and you'll hear more in the stories, but it's also incredibly hard um there was the highs were high and the lows were lows and then navigating you know these children you're raising that aren't yours while also believing the best out of people knowing that God can transform anyone and seeing them going for visits with their parents um but yet you know seeing how that affects and some of the negative things that happen when they come back and having your hopes dashed when um things don't work out. Uh it's but yet we're called the love. Absolutely. And love entails a lot of risks.
0: And the idea of caring for widows and orphans is is one of those fairly rare emphases of both the old and the new testament.
2: Yeah. It just it's a thread through both of them.
0: Yeah. And I always think that it's interesting that in the book of James there's that line that says Pure and spotless religion is dot dot dot, and caring for widows and orphans, yeah. and uh, th- that that is a verse that's hard for me to escape. Um, there's a lot of things that that you can kind of justify in your life, but mm-hmm. but this issue of caring for widows and orphans is is a pretty black and white <laughs> command on Christian people throughout uh, throughout the Old and New Testament. And, um, and and I, I always, you know, I try to wonder, like, what, what is it about this? And and it seems to me that this is the way that we can model God's behavior for us is, um, you know, even even the song uh, Death Was Arrested talks about my orphaned heart was given a home. Right. Mm-hmm. We we understand ourselves when we come into contact with the robust love of God that that we are considered an heir to a, to some a kingdom we don't deserve, a yeah. kingdom we don't live up to only because God's love is so unbelievably robust and his heart will open to a person like me. And so this idea of caring for widows and orphans is a whole lot like how God treats us.
2: Yeah, I love the language in our Articles of Faith where it talks about when we say yes to God, when we say yes to the grace that's already operating, that we're adopted. And um, you hear that one way, but after you hear this story that we have in the podcast, it has a different light of what does it mean to be adopted by God?
0: Absolutely. And so through the lens of love, I invite you to listen to the story of Reverend Mike Graham, pastor in East Flint, Michigan, as he tells the story of the journey of God calling he and his wife to foster care and eventually to adoption. We hope it moves you like it's moved us.
2: Thank you for joining us for Through Life's Crossroads. This has been a ministry of Crossroads Church with Pastor Jake and Pastor Tim. We encourage you to continue to engage with us online throughout the week on Facebook at Crossroads Church of the Nazarene and also on Instagram, Crossroads Naz Church. Thanks for joining us for this episode.